بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن وله. Okay. Today, let's go straight to the sidebar and bring our topic of Sayyidina Abu Hassan Al Ashari, which you can get. Okay. This book from MeccaBooks.com. You don't have to put the thing up. MeccaBooks.com, and go to put in the coupon code Safina. And you can get these biographies. This is a wonderful book. All right. Today's topic being stories of the awliya. Now you might say, well, this isn't in one of the awliya. This is one of the scholars. Well, you have to understand something. Wilaya, karamat, and tasawwuf, they have an overlap, but they're not one thing. Okay. An overlap is different from one. So the, the issue of karamat in the issue of awliya, in the issue of dhikr and tasawwuf, they, they have a major overlap. But it's not the only thing. There's nothing greater than clarifying the truth and delivering it to people. Imam al-Haddad says this. What's the proof of this? Proof being is that every messenger, the, who are the greatest of prophets? The messengers. Every messenger's function is to clarify the truth and spread it to people. The truth of Islam is at, at any given era, the most important truth is that which is threatened. So that if people are threatening your life, then what's more important at that time? Self-defense or Hibs Qur'an? Of course, you can't compare. There's, just because we make a comparison doesn't mean we're belittling something. So there may be a moment in time where the one who knows how to fight is the most important person. And the greatest act of, of, of worship to Allah is to fight. If you watch Madiki Click's uh, podcast with me yesterday on his YouTube channel, we talked half the time on Tassel, somehow we got into the topic of self-defense. If there may be a time where that's needed. There may be a time, as we talked about in the biography of, who was it? Um, Omar ibn Abdul Aziz. Where it, the Umayyads were spending so much money that the wilaya, the right, the path of Allah at that time was zuhd. Okay? In the time of Malik and Layth ibn Sa'd, Wahb ibn Munabih tells us there was a calamity, there was a, um, the fitna at that time. Oh, by the way, Habib, it's, it's in that little red corner on the top left. You have to expand it. The file that you're looking for, I think. Oh, no, sorry about that. Forget that. Um, there, at the time of Malik and Layth ibn Sa'ad, Al-Wahb ibn Munabih says the confusion was, what hadith do we apply? There seemed to be contradictory narrations. The Prophet ﷺ never contradicted himself. But transmissions may make it appear that, he contradic- that there, the transmissions may contradict. You see the difference there? Not, hadith does not always reflect the Prophet. Hadith could be weak. Hadith could be cut out, out of a context. Hadith could be something that is abrogated later on. So you're, you, you want a companion may have heard a report from the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Later on, the Prophet abrogated that hadith. Okay. Or adjusted it or made a change to the situation. And he didn't hear that. Why? Because he got sent off somewhere. So later on, scholars are looking at this. And it was narrated without saying when he heard it from the Messenger. Scholars got to figure these things out. Okay. So today... 
we're going to talk about the use of intellect when it comes to our understanding of aqidah. Because there are intellectual bullies out there in the world. And there are people who misuse intellect. And now what are we not going to do? We're not going to get into the nitty-gritties of what the Mu'tazila said because that's irrelevant. What we're looking at is the broad-stroked attitudes of the Mu'tazila. Okay? The broad-strokes attitude of the enemies of the Mu'tazila, okay, who are the Hanabila and the scholars of Hadith, who are upon the Haqq. And then why that wasn't sufficient. Okay, so someone said, oh, well, how could you say al-hadith not sufficient? Because it's not just about having Qur'an and hadith, it's how you use it. It's your utilization of it, okay? So why is it that Abu al-Hassan al-Ash'ari came with a middle path, and what was that middle path? And then we're actually going to learn how is it relevant for us today? How are these principles relevant to us today? In the same way that if there's a time where we have a physical enemy, we have to learn how to fight that enemy. With what? If we have a physical enemy... The solution is not to go worship Allah. The solution is to learn how to use, how to put together an army. Like Salah al-Din al-Ayyubi. Like Nur al-Din al-Zanki. How is Nur al-Din al-Zanki a mujaddid and a Habib Umar bin Hamid? It's different from Habib Umar bin Hafid. I remember Habib Umar bin Hamid saying, these were kings. Okay. These were kings and they were Aqtab and Abdal. Nur al-Din al-Zanki, Salah al-Din al-Ayyubi, these were kings, and they were aqtab, qutb, abdal. And the question is then, so how did they attain their wilayah? By fighting. So, Abu al-Hassan al-Ash'ari came out in a time where the Mu'tazila, they were an intellectual group, and they excelled in the use of mantiq. So what is the use of mantiq? It's how to properly use your intellect. There is a proper way to throw a punch, there's a proper way to speak. You can't say, Ana fil baytu. Right? Because fi is harf jar. You have to say, Ana fil bayti. There's lahan fil lugha. Okay? Lahan fil lugha. And as Allah referred to the Quran as being an Arabic language, Imam al Haddad says, Wa na'udhu billahi min lahni fil lugha. Right? We seek refuge in making grammatical mistakes. Why? Because Allah says, We reveal this Quran in a pure Arabic tongue. Okay? Therefore, there is a potential of existence of lisan, Arabi, غير mubin. Mubin means clear. A clear Arabic tongue. So there may be a time where we can, there, there may be examples of an unclear Arabic tongue messing up the grammar. All the local dialects of today, the dialects of the Shawam, the Egyptians, the, Sud- the, the Sudanese, the West Africans, the Iraqis, the Khalijis. It's Arabic that's butchered. Okay? Now, who cares if you're selling tomatoes? But if you're actually speaking about Quran and Hadith, your Arabic has to be right. Okay? So, there is a clear way to speak. There's a clear way to throw a punch. There's a clear way to recite the Quran. We call that tajweed. There is likewise a clear way to use your intellect. Every scholar agrees to the importance of usul al-fiqh. Usul al-fiqh is how to properly think and draw conclusions from the Qur'an and the Sunnah. That is a sub-branch of mantiq. Mantiq is how to use your intellect in general. Usul al-fiqh is how to use your intellect in specific. So the general is the, the source. 
So everyone who believes in usul al-fiqh, by default, must recognize the validity of mantiq. Rahana, where do you want to go? Huh? Then you open up. Okay, but don't walk around because it's distracting. Okay. You understand? So, how to use your intellect? The Mu'tazila were a people who rose up in the Islamic circles of Iraq by refuting the literalists. Which, we, which came out of the Khawarij. You always have two camps in Islam. You have the literalists and you have the rationalists. And Ahl-Sun is in the middle. Okay? What do the literalists do? They refuse to answer pertinent questions and the challenges of theologians, uh, of philosophers. They refuse to answer those questions. So I'm a thinking guy, let's say hypothetically, and I have a question. Let's just take an example that happens here all the time. You go into a college class, and I went into my first philosophy class. On the board, right away, the lady, she tries to deconstruct your belief in God. She puts up, can God lift a rock that, create a rock that he cannot lift? Okay? And she had it up on the screen. Back in the day, there was an overhead project. Right? She said, this is a clear answer. If he, can't, if he can lift it, if he can create it, then he can't lift it. If he can't create it, then he's not all-powerful. Right? So in each way, he's not powerful. So there's no such thing as an all-powerful God. And then she takes it off. Then she says, all right, my name is such and such, and this is philosophy 101. Right? So the first thing she wants to do is deconstruct that. Now let me make something very clear here. Nobody derives, the truth is not derived solely from the intellect. The main truths of life aren't derived solely from intellect. And human beings in general are not rational. They're not, we're not driven every day by intellect. But intellect, but disc, these arguments, philosophical arguments and logic can protect you from the doubts that people throw into your hearts. And we need this more than ever today. As we're going to get into trans ideology, and I'm just going to give you one example of, of the logical, basically chess moves that are used by trans ideologues and how you could set them aside. Because once you get these ideas, all right, you're attacked by one of these ideas. You're unsettled on the inside. You can say all you want, I don't believe it. But unless you have an answer, you're unsettled on the inside. Having an answer, it settles you. Showing you why this, is, why this was a trick. Right? It settles you, it calms you on the inside. That's why Al-Ghazali said, Ilm al-Kalam is a... Uh, is a, uh, uh, it's a medicine. It's not the way to Allah, but it's a medicine to protect you. In the same way, like shooting an arrow, uh, shooting a gun. This is not necessarily a way to Allah. Unless you're protecting someone's body, then you could be a martyr for the cause. So, they never want to answer this question. Let's say I'm an intellectual guy, and, and I, I hear that question, can God build a rock, create a rock that he can't lift? I'm bothered by that. I'll tell you what the literalists do. What the literalists do is fine for themselves, dangerous for the ummah. What the literalists say, this is nonsense, it's kufr, I'm not even discussing it. You can die upon that and you have no problem with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but you can't be our leader. You have to answer these questions. As Abu Hassan set down a principle, he said, we don't read their books, we don't utter their arguments, but if they utter it, we have to answer them. Okay? Because they will unsettle the hearts of many people. 
That's why I said it. Some people got upset with me. Those who shut down Ilm al-Kalam in their countries, these questions can spread and nobody knows the answer. So you got a guy's coming to fight you with a gun. And all you have is a spear because the Sahaba had spears. Right? <laughs> and you say, fight. Rely on Allah. Go fight and rely on Allah. Wait a minute. The Sahaba didn't, that's not the method of the Sahaba. That's the specific of the Sahaba. The method of the Sahaba was to adapt to the situation. So if he's fighting me with a gun and he could shoot me from 50 yards back and I can only shoot him from half a yard, kill him from half a yard, I need a gun. So you have lands where they shut down Ilm al-Kalam and I'm telling you I have testimonials of people who said, well, I grew up in these schools and students ask simple questions like that out of curiosity. Like one out of a hundred is actually curious and he's an intellectual. Like you, you know like guys like Karim Oday and, and Az, they, they're thinking they're going to think about that, right? Their heart will not settle until they get an answer, right? That's, how, that's, that's the way I was in, in college too. Like I'm totally... I know this is nonsense, but I need to know how it's nonsense. To give you just the answer of that is the idea that, first of all, liftability is not a quality of rocks. A rock must have a weight. The weight must have a limit. That's number one. So and there is no such thing as an unliftable rock. Number two, there's a snug premise there that God lifts, Right? Why did you assume that premise? They snuck in a premise there. And I'm going to tell you how the trans ideologues, they're sneaking in words and premises all the time. And then they're shifting to appeal to emotion. Okay. This stuff, it's not all karamat and fuzzy-wuzzy. Not to say fuzzy-wuzzy, that's not the right way to put it. But the stuff that we love. But this stuff is important. This is not a heart softener. This is a... The, like the wilaya of Abu Hassan Shadli and why we're putting him stories of awliya is not because it's a heart softener it's a heart protector and the heart protector is more important than the heart softener you won't have a heart to protect to soften right <laughs> you will be poisoned and dead if you allow these ideas to, to, to come in okay so there's no such thing as an unliftable rock and the, what the question is actually saying is the definition of God as being all powerful can that God be not God? Can God be not all-powerful? So there are some basic rules of how to speak and how to think is that the first thing you have to do is to define the term that you use. And the rest of the proposition must be in accord with that definition. And that's the meaning of mustahil aqlan. Right? Or whatever the, the terminology we want, mustahil aqlan, ghirja is aqlan, right? The, huh? It's a paradox. So that the idea of the paradox, that is a philosophical term. It's a term of mantiq. It's not a term you find in Quran and Hadith, but just because it's not the term isn't there doesn't mean the reality is not there. Because the Quran mentions the same concept, right? If this book was from other than Allah, you would find in it much contradiction. So what is Allah saying here? The truth has no contradictions. Therefore, that's the law of non-contradiction right there. So just because the term didn't exist does not mean the reality doesn't exist. In the same way, did the Sahaba have usul? Usul al-fiqh. What is usul al-fiqh? What's the methodology of knowing halal and haram? That's a quick summary. The layman's term. The Sahaba had a methodology. 
Every one of them had a methodology. What was the methodology? Go ask the Prophet That was the methodology. Ask if Quran was revealed about this. That's the methodology. Did they call it usul al-fiqh? No. Right? Did when new convert come in here and say, did a new convert, when a new convert came, did the Sahaba say, our usul is to ask the Prophet first, and then, or to ask if Quran was revealed, or to wait until Quran is revealed, or to wait until the Prophet, that's the usul, right? But that's not, they never called it the word usul, but they all understood that's what we do here. Okay? That's why when a man, when a Sahabi came to Umar ibn Khattab, radiallahu ta'ala an, and he said, I need you to rule between me and my friend. And he said, okay. Judge. So Umar said, fine. He said, did you first ask the Prophet? He said, yes. You asked the Prophet, but why are you coming here then? Right? He said, the other man said, the, 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 the defendant said, we also asked Abu Bakr, Siddiq. Umar said, so you asked the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa And then you asked Abu Bakr, Siddiq. And then you're in my home now, asking me? The man said, yes. Why? The, he points to the plaintiff, and he said, because he didn't agree with the ruling, or their judgment. He said, okay. So you want my judgment? So the plaintiff says, yes, we want your judgment. He said, okay. He says, excuse me one second. He goes in the room. <laughs> They're waiting. What's he doing? And all they hear is, shh, 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 shh. What's that sound? Omar comes out, shining, sharpened sword. Here's my judgment. Picks up his, holds him from the hair, slits his neck. The, 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 the defendant ran for his life to the Prophet. He said, Master of Allah, Omar ibn Khattab just killed that man that I was arguing against in court. Omar came out. Cleaning, shop, cleaning out the sword, the blood from his sword. So, Ya Omar, what did you just do? They said, the Messenger of Allah, the man's a hypocrite. What, what happened? He said, you, he came to you. He didn't like your ruling. He came to uh, Abu Bakr, and then he came to me. Any man who does not like the ruling of the Messenger of Allah must be nothing other than a hypocrite. How could you believe he's the prophet and you don't like his ruling, Right? The Prophet remained silent. Then the Prophet afterwards, he told Omar that this is forbidden now. You can't do that again. Right? <laughs> you can't do that again. You judged him to be a hypocrite, but he actually committed no capital crime. Right? <laughs> the Quran then comes down saying, yes, the Prophet rule is the rule now. You can't just go killing people because you know they're a hypocrite or you assume they're a hypocrite. But Omar was right. Okay? By Allah, they're not true believers until they make you the judge. They don't like your judgment, they're not true believers. So the Prophet set the rule, but Allah confirmed Umar was right. He was a hypocrite. Okay? So what is that? Usul. The methodology. That man, <laughs> he made a big mistake in methodology. Okay? So let's get, let's get to like, how was Sayyidina uh, Abu Hassan al Shadili? Like, what, what uh, Abu Hassan Ash'ari? See how many beautiful people are Abu Hassan, right? Sayyidina Ali, Abu Hassan Ash'ari, Abu Hassan Ash'adili. Okay, you should just name your son Abu Hassan, even there's no Hassan, right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll do that next. So, he comes, he's a descendant of the Yemeni scholar and judge and wise man that the Prophet used as a judge, Abu Bakr used as a judge, 
Sayyidina Umar used him as a judge. Sayyidina Uthman used him as a judge. Sayyidina Ali used him as a judge. And that is Abu Musa al-Ash'ari. He is his descendant. Now his dad, he dies. Abu al-Hasan ibn Ismail. Ismail dies. Who does his mom remarry? Abu Ali al-Jubba'i. Sheikh al-Mu'tazila. So he grows up getting private tutelage, getting everything from the... It's almost like... Now we don't... We don't, we don't make comparison between a Muslim and a Kafir. That's haram, right? Because a Muslim is not like a Kafir. The Mu'tazila are Mubtadi'ah, but they're Muslims, right? They're Mubtadi'ah. They're heretics, but they're Muslims nonetheless. So we still don't make a comparison between them and Kafir, but you notice how Sayyidina Musa salam, he rose up in the house of Pharaoh. Abu Hassan al-Ash'ari was raised in the house of the Mu'tazila, the leader of the Mu'tazila, one of the great scholars of the Mu'tazila. Except that Abu Ali al-Jubba'i was not a great debater. So he used to use his son, Abu Hassan, as a debater. So he would, it was like on the, on the way home, on the way back, talking about everything. Like, like you got kids come, come to, with, to, to their parents, with their parents uh, to the masjid, let's say. They're driving there. They ask, oh, so what's the khutbah? What's the class about today? You tell them a little bit. And then on the way back home, oh, that was a good thing. But I have a question, a follow-up question. So your kids... If they're interested in the deen, they get so much special attention and more knowledge than if they were, you know, than a regular person. That's how he grew up. Every nitty detail about the Mu'tazili doctrine, he grew up with it. By the age of 40, though, he realized there's a problem here. Okay. There's a problem here. These Mu'tazili, although they started up to respond to the philosophers... Right to defend the Sunnah, as we as we said, we must answer questions, okay, that come up. They're not actually cha- going after the truth, and remember this as a theme. Abu Hassan al Ashari realized they're, they're not actually going after the truth. They've become another sort of group of philosophers. They have their own set of terminology, their own set of values, and they are today very similar, you know to Islamic studies departments. And I'm just making as a very general, broad, when a general statement, okay, means that there are many, many exceptions to it. So no one in Islamic studies or in academ- academia should take offense to this. Because they also will agree that Islamic studies departments, a lot of these academic departments, they're not a search for the truth. Okay? It's a lot of things, but one thing that it's not is a search for the truth. If you go into an interview at Yale or Harvard or someone, oh, okay, what's your interest in Islamic studies here? I want to know the truth about Allah and His Prophet, and I want to spread it to the people. You're not get the job, right? So I think we can all agree on that, which is, which means, it's a general observation, which means there are a lot of good people out there who are in those departments that it doesn't apply to them. Number two is that the second point is spreading it to the people. So he realized these Mu'tazila are, are people who, uh, it's like a select group now, they have their own language, they have their own values, and what they do, anything in the Qur'an or Hadith that goes against their philosophy, they reject it altogether. He began being unsettled by this until he saw, he spent a lot of time at home by himself, just like his future 
successor, Abu Hamad al-Ghazali. Okay? He spent a lot of time home by himself res- resigning debates and just being sort of depressed. And as al-Ghazali said, there are different types of depressions. There are types of depressions that Allah brings upon a, a, a Muslim, a mu'min, in order to bring something out of him. Right? To bring something of the truth out of him. That's a type of, I don't want to say sacred depression, but it is a divinely ordained depression upon somebody. And usually it doesn't last long. And it's not because of his body or his circumstances. It's something that Allah brought upon him to, show, to take him to a new vista. So in that depression, he saw the Prophet ﷺ. The Messenger ﷺ gave him his medicine. He said, Ya Abul Hassan, take my hadith. There are two people, two groups, Ahlul Hadith. The people, they take hadith, full stop, that's it. As we said, you can die upon the Ahlul Wasahlan, but you can't lead the community. Okay? You're going to lead them to, a, to, to, to go into a, uh, a, a rock fight, you using rocks, and the other guy's using a, miss, uh, a rocket launcher. Right? These, that guy's got a gun, you got a spear. Because all they had is spears. Okay, you die. But don't be our leader. You go and die. But you're not, you can't be our leader. Because you have to answer these questions. The other group is these elite academics who have absorbed certain values. Okay? They've absorbed certain values and they use their own terminology that nobody understands. All right? And they don't actually submit to the, to the Quran and Hadith anymore. So he starts now buying all the books of Hadith and pouring over the books of Hadith, studying Hadith, until like another two weeks went by, he had just read so much Hadith. And he's absorbing every single Hadith and submitting to it. And saying, and coming to the conclusion, the Qur'an and the, hadith, the Revelation is the only source of actual metaphysical truth. Everything else is a rational speculation. Okay? He then has another dream. And he takes, okay, he took all his books and he all put all his kalam books on the side, all his philosophy books on the side. He had actually seen that, that dream twice. The first one he thought, it must be false because a lot of hadiths, they're not consistent with each other. And as we said, we can say that because a hadith is not a reflection of the Prophet. It's a narration about the Prophet. I can narrate something about you. Habib can go narrate something about you. Okay? They conflict. Habib used his effort, I used my effort, but they don't actually, uh, 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 but we didn't narrate the full story about you. There's no inconsistency in you. It's our narrations that con- uh, uh, were not consistent. So he then sees a second dream of the Prophet where he says now that he's going to be solely person of Hadith and he's going to go back to Ahmad ibn Hanbal, who's the Imam al-Hadith, but the Hanbalis had not produced anyone like him since. And he's just going to follow him. He's the next vision of the Prophet ﷺ, in which the Prophet says, Ya Abul Hassan, I said take my hadith, I never said leave kalam. Right? I said take my hadith, but I never said leave off that ability to show logically that this religion is the truth, that there has no inconsistencies, and that the heresies are inconsistent in, within themselves. That is the purpose of kalam. What is the, so there are narrations of the four imams 
against kalam, against Mu'tazili kalam, that kalam, not this kalam, okay? Because the, when the four imams existed, the kalam that existed at the time was the philosophizing of the Mu'tazilites. This kalam is, is using rational principles to show that this religion is not inconsistent with itself, has no internal inconsistency, as is that not a Quranic mandate? If it was from other than Allah, they would see much contradiction. So therefore, it becomes a dis- discipline in religion to show there's no contradiction here. Number two, okay, that it, there's, it, there's no contradiction within itself. There's no contradiction between it and between intellect. Why is that also a discipline of religion? Does not the Quran say, Do not use your intellect. Is not this religion only comes down and is legally binding upon someone with a sound intellect. Therefore, we have to know how to use the intellect. Rules of intellect and this religion. Is the intellect not a creation of Allah? There cannot be a verse of Quran that nature and observation that, that contradicts the, wor- the, the, the observed world. Why? Because Allah is the revealer of the book and He's the creator of the world. The intellect also is a divine creation which Allah commanded us to use. Therefore, this religion and this book cannot, it is, it is not possible for it to contradict with, with the, the fundamental rules of the intellect. And there are fundamental rules of intellect that are very simple, that no two people would disagree about. Okay? Very simply, that if you use a word, you have to define it. Cannot use a floating word. If we're going to talk, we have to agree on what the word means. You have to give a definition that is mana, jama' mana that collects all of its meanings and excludes all of its not meanings. And then you have to, the rest of your sentence, the rest of your proposition, cannot go and contradict that meaning. That's the rule of identity and non-contradiction. And then you have an excluded middle or you have other rules that, that are like ipso facto, means that if A, then negative A, if A is, if we've established A, then we have excluded negative A. Okay. So if we've established that Ahmed is upstairs, if we've established also that Ahmed is not downstairs, okay, that's the Allah. These are the three basic rules of logic. If all you know is these three, but you apply them properly, you cut through all this trans-ideology nonsense and a lot of other nonsense. Okay. So Abu Hassan al-Ashari, after seeing this, he becomes so energized that he goes straight out to the mosque of Basra, where they are, the Jama', the main mosque. And right before the khutbah of Jum'ah, he elbows through everybody. He goes up the steps by himself of the minbar and he announces, I am Abu Hassan al-Ashari. If you know me, you know me. And if you don't know me, then my name is Abu Hassan al-Ashari. Uh, Abu al-Ashari. I used to be the proponent, a proponent of the Mu'tazili doctrine. And I announce now that I absolve myself from that and I have adopted the way of the scholars of hadith and the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ and will spend the rest of my time disproving the Mu'tazili doctrine in defense of the sunnah. He then proceeds to start uh, uh, AM1 put, uh, we'll, we'll announce time for questions not time for questions right now and Abdul Karim 
Walaikum Assalam from Bangladesh uh, or, or to Bangladesh. She's been posting that for a long time now. So Walaikum Assalam to Bangladesh and uh, all Ahl Bangladesh as long as Bangladesh still exists, because you know that soon enough it's going to be flooded. We ask Allah Afia for all those people who are going to eventually become refugees. Okay. And of course, we have useless Khadiji countries who are going to host World Cups and spend billions on the World Cup, but not, they're not going to do anything for these people. We're going to now move to what does he do afterwards? He, he now starts going to the circles because this is a click now. This is like a click. It's, like, it's, like, it's as if he's going to academic conferences. And we would say, wait, don't go to those conferences. It's all corruption and they're, they're going to poison your mind. He, but he would say, I have to go because I know their doctrine. They're not going to come to me. I have to go and show them their errors and their mistakes. Okay. And he starts going there. And he starts developing a following. They follow him to these conferences. And they have bouts. Right? They have gatherings and they have bouts. And he usually lets them speak first. And then he speaks and undoes their points one by one. Cuts them up. Let me read you a quote here that's, that was a really nice quote. I love this quote because I really feel this way. And by the way, if you guys, and you guys are studying knowledge, right, in the Mahad, always keep in mind that our purpose is to seek the truth, to act upon it, and to spread it. There's no other purpose. If, you have, if anyone develops any other purpose, it's usually because they, they lose focus, they get into nitty-gritty details, and they start competing against each other. Tulab against tulab. Scholars against scholars. They, it's just people get caught up. Human beings get caught up. They get caught up, they come back down to earth. A way to bring us back down to earth is doing the soup kitchen. Doing the classes, like today, Oz taught middle schoolers, right? You can't get caught up if you've got to teach middle schoolers, right? Because you're going to have to bring yourself down to their level. Abu Hassan al-Ash'ari, when he was asked, why use, why uh, speak about the deen in this, in this uh, uh, rationalistic and intellectual manner? He said, did not the Prophet ﷺ said, speak to people at the level of their intellects? That means downwards and upwards. That means if I'm speaking to middle schoolers, I've got to speak with like basic words that they all know. But if I'm speaking to intellectuals, I have to speak with, that, with those terms. Provided that I'm not going against the doctrines of the truth. Okay? Nor using methodologies that are not allowed. To repeat, the purposes of kalam is to show there is no internal contradiction in the religion, in the Quran or the Hadith. That's a Quranic mandate. Number two, to show that there is no contradiction between the, the revelation and, the, and, and intellect. What does that mean? Does that mean we deny miracles? No, the miracle is not uh, a contradiction. It is possible for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to cause an, a human being to rise up to the heavens and come down without use of a rocket ship or anything. That's Isra'i Mi'raj. Okay? It's possible for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to do things that we haven't seen before. But what we say is not a, a, a proposition that is acceptable, is, a, is the contradiction. Okay? And when many people say impossible for Allah, this, this phrase impossible for Allah, don't say it anymore. Because people think it means you're limiting Allah. We're not limiting Allah. Allah has the power over all things provided that the thing is a thing. And a thing that contradicts itself is not a thing. Okay, so if I say, if you ask me, can God create a square with five sides? I say to you, your proposition is invalid. The sentence you said itself is invalid. I'm not even going to answer it. 
Okay. Well, my answer is your proposition is invalid. Why is it invalid? Because you just negated. Allah Ta'ala can take a square, give it five sides, it won't be a square anymore. It'll be a pentagon. What is it called? The pentagon, right? So a lot of these people, they come in and there's two, two camps. The philosophers want to put give you doubt in Allah. Oh, he can't create a square with five sides. No, there's no such thing. The proposition's invalid. There's another group of people that say, yes, we must believe that Allah can do it. You fool. Sorry to say this. Yes, you're a great believer and inshallah you'll die upon Iman, but you're a fool. No offense to you. Okay? <laughs> because you've, you've taken the bait. Iblis put out a little piece of fish. And, oh, let's see. Yes, Allah can create that. The proposition itself is invalid. <laughs> okay? The proposition is nonsense. Can Allah create a jibbity goop? A jibbity goop doesn't exist. There's no such word. Right? And you say, yes, he can. Yes, he can what? You don't even know what you're saying. It's not a word. It's just a jumble up of letters that I just made up on the spot. And you just take the bait because you think that's the fervor of faith. And at the time of Abu Hassan, the Hanabila, they're on our, as the Arabs say, they're on our heads, which means they're lofty believers. They had not produced anyone close to Sayyidina Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal. They would say, we will not discuss it, period, full stop. Some of them went to another extreme and said, yes, whatever it is, yes, because he's Qadr ala kulli shayt. Whereas what they're falling into is propositions that don't even exist. Invalid propositions. And Abu Hassan was actually shaking his head. He said, the you will lose all the intellectuals. Anyone with a brain, you will lose them in Islam. This is unacceptable. Okay? So, a, a beautiful quote here. Ashadi maintained that the ultimate source of faith and the key to metaphysical and unseen realities is the revelation period and the teaching of the Prophet ﷺ, full stop, no discussion. Rather than human reason, speculation, and metaphysics. Okay? Uh, Greek metaphysics. At the same time, he differed with the rigid dogmatism of the conformist who thought it prudent to A, remain silent about issues raised by opposing sects. Just because the messenger never employed that terminology. It's not a reason. You need everything to be spelled out for you? Or did not the Prophet give you certain basic general principles? Okay? I debated a youth. He said, you negate for Allah what Allah never negated for himself. Right? But I said, Akhi, Allah has negated these things in general. With the simple phrase, Allah samad means he has no need. Therefore, anything that indicates that he has a need... And a dependency is negated. Does he have to go and negate every single specific? Or he just gives you the general. Therefore, if you make an analogy with him, it's false. Okay? If anything that he has a dependent, Allahu Ahad, he's, he's one in himself. Therefore, any proposition that would indicate that God is divided up in himself is negated. So he negates in general. Okay? Then everything that falls under that generality is negated. By default. He doesn't have to give you every, every single thing. So I told him, does God have a color? Is he purple? Is he pink? Is he rainbow flagged? Wait, he never negated it. He never negated it. Allah never negated color for himself. Are you going to negate it? Of course we're going to negate it. Colors are added. First, you guys don't even define terms. See, Wallahi, Abu Hassan al-Ash'ari is the same exact thing. He said, you have a lot of faith, but you will get cut up in the field of logic. And, you, and the philosophers will cut you up so badly, your kids will have doubts in Islam. So, what is a color? 
You have to define it. Again, first rule of logic, define the terms. What is a color? A color, what kind of creation is it? It's an audit. It's a quality. A color must, can only exist on something else. There's no redness flying around. So redness, greenness, purpleness, it has to exist on something. On a cup, on a bird. Has exi- so it's arad. And it has to exist on a material thing, something that we can touch, matter. Therefore, if we know that Allah is not consistent of matter, then He has no color. So we, we do negate color for Allah because if we don't, then we're admitting matter for Allah because color cannot exist without matter. Okay? So, this is a very basic example. Simple use of the defi- defining terms and then bringing a principle that relates to aqidah. In the same way, Abu Hassan al-Ash'ari was saying, in the same way that new legal matters come up, likewise, new philosophical questions come up. And it, it may not be a new question, but it's new to us. Right? It's new to the Ummah of Islam. So then we have to answer it. Right? I mean, isn't transgenderism a completely new ideology? You've got to answer it. We've got to answer it in many different ways. We've got to have a clear-cut definition. And as I was talking to Harun about this one time, he said that, his Sheikh Sheikh, Sheikh Zuhair, Sheikh Zuhair's Sheikh in Algeria, had to open the books and go back because in his study he was saying, it never occurred to us, all right, to, to, to remember the actual definition of a man. Like, what is, it, what is the definition of male, of a man? Dhakr, right? How do we actually define it? What are the qualities? We have to have an objective def- definition. So we had to go back to it. It's not something that they would have to do because the world wasn't that stupid back then, right? <laughs> the world wasn't that crazy. SubhanAllah. So then he says, this, Al-Ash'ari felt that the, this attitude would be regarded as a weakness for the Orthodox school and harm it. And he also maintained that the attitude of rigid dogmatism would enable the Mu'tazila, okay, and other opposing sects Okay, to win over the youth and fool the masses. Okay, these people are sheep. These people are sheep in wolf's clothing. They're speaking a wonderful speech. They're talking a good talk, but ultimately, what what is important right, is that they pull out of your heart certain beliefs. Okay. There's another quote that I want to bring you here. That is a wonderful quote. He wrote Abu Hassan. All this he wrote this. In his book, Al-Istihsan, or Istihsan Al-Khawd Fi Ilm Al-Kalam. The praiseworthiness of defending doctrine using these rational principles. That's the definition of Kalam. Okay. What else is this? There's another quote I want to give you here. Hmm. These are quotes from his book. Yeah. Where is that other quote? I lost it. All right, we, we pretty much covered most of the things. All right. I, I wanted to put this in a way that every common Muslim could understand. All right. And, and I hope that we achieved that. I think that we achieved that. Remember, num- two things about some of these biography of a scholar it's an intellectual biography. There's not much exciting, like Nuruddin Zenki, he goes to battle, all that stuff. So when we talk about the biographies of scholars, their moves in life are intellectual moves, right? 
That's the first thing. So that's, that's why sometimes it's not as exciting as the biography of other people. Secondly, we have to remember wilaya is about the relevancy of defending the truth and spreading it to the people. Right? And what he realized is that the Mu'tazila, these people are no longer concerned as they started off as defending the truth. It's just an ivory tower. Nor do they care for spreading it to the people. If you care about spreading it to the people, all right, and acting upon it for yourself and spreading it to the people, then you speak in terms that people can understand. Otherwise, what's the point? And many academics, wallahi, they sneer and look down upon most of these du'at and most of the scholars that want to speak to people at a simple level because all that they love is their intellectual gymnastics. Right? That's all they love. Intellectual gymnastics. So they sneer and look down on people. But you know what? You're going to be irrelevant because you don't benefit anybody. Number two, if all you care about is spreading it and acting upon it yourself, you filter out unnecessary knowledge. You don't take it in except if you wanted to compete with somebody. Then you're wasting your time. To learn knowledge, to compete and be able to say in the gathering, you know, certain phrases, certain quotes, citations, whatever, to impress other people. And that's, Allah, it's 99% of academia. That's just what it is, to, to tell the truth. And everyone else is an exception. But if all I want is knowledge to act upon it and to spread it to other people, then I don't need a lot of certain things that are not necessary for me. And speaking with high-level language is not necessary. Speak it to the people that we can un- the way they can understand. And so, Mamadik has a famous quote. He said, "Why do to said to his students, why do I see you writing down everything? Right? Why just listen. Remember what you remember. Then go act upon it, and Allah will put a nur in your heart. That nur will show you what's true and what's false. Right? So, that is essentially, when the Shafi'iyah came upon this, when the Madikiyah came upon this, they absorbed it and drank it and they said, this is the truth and they followed Al-Ash'ari and from the two, the Madikiyah followed him with more vigor and they, the Madikiyah, you cannot find a non, according to uh, Abu, uh, is, is Imam Al-Harwin Al-Juwain or is it Tajdeen Al-Subki? Tajdeen Al-Subki said the Madikiyah are the, yani the chief leaders of the Ash'ari as well as the Shafi'iyah, but some Shafi'iyah entered into Shi'ism and into Tajseem. Okay. And some of the Ahnaf, they entered into Al-I'tizal. Ahnaf followed Abu Mansur al-Maturidi. At the same time period, out in Samarqand, Abu Mansur al-Maturidi did the same thing. Uh, to fight with the Mu'tazila. Maturidi's thought, according to uh, Nedwi, he says the Maturidi thought was more moderate okay, than at Ashari. I don't know where he's, uh, what he's alluding to, but uh, he says the Maturidiya also answered more questions than the Ashari at that time. At that time. And therefore, they reordered things, they honed in, they filled in blanks. And they made it more comprehensive. Of course, he's probably a Maturidi, right? <laughs> but the differences are all marginal. They're peripheral. And they could be limited to 40 questions. Some limited it to 12 questions. So the Ash'ari and Maturidi became the same thing. Essential in its essence, and only in the periphery and the organization and some of these other things, they're different. Okay. Now, let's go to the split screen. 
And I want you to all hear a clip. And I want you to, and I want to point out to you how to basically utilize some of these very simple logical principles. All right. I want you to use these logical principles in, make sure the audio is on in that book, uh, in that, uh, in that guy. All right. In a very simple transgender ideology uh, debate. Okay. Because the, the rules of Muntuk, remember, no one derives their ideas from the rules of Muntuk, but we can simply, we can undo things that will unsettle you and trap you. All right. We're ready to go. You've referred to people with a capacity I think you have to hit play. Oh, okay. Is the audio it, on it? women? Sure. Many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Okay. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. This thing is not um, there are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy, as well as non-binary can, people can, who are capable of pregnancy. Can you oh, so this isn't really a women's I I rights anything. issue. It's a, we huh? can recognize that this impacts women while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive, Senator Hawley. Oh, so your view is, is that the core of this, this right then is okay. about what? So um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing that. Wow, you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancies? So I'm one, I want to note that one out of five transgender uh, persons have attempted suicide. So I think it's important because of my line of questioning. Because so we can't talk about it. Because denying that trans people exist and pretending not to know that they exist. I'm is denying dangerous. that trans people exist by asking are you? you if you're talking are you? about women are you? having pregnancies. Do you believe that the, uh, men can get pregnant? No, I don't think women can <laughs> so. Get you pregnant. are denying that trans people exist, Thank and that leads to violence. Is this how you run your classroom? Are students allowed to question? All right, let's go back to the uh, the main screen now. And I'm going to play this. I'm going to stop it at each point to show you where the logical uh, loopholes are. And before that, let's just do our sponsors real quick. You can get this book from MeccaBooks.com. Coupon code Safina. I highly recommend everyone should have this on their bookshelf. And secondly, you want to support this live stream, you go to Patreon.com backslash Safina Society. Your support is always appreciated. And we have some wonderful uh, patrons that because of their financial support, we're able to put this program together. I have no shame in saying that we're in a codependency operation. Yes, dependency, right? Oh, I want to depend on Allah alone. I am depending on Allah alone, right? But Allah gave us asbab, and this, we cannot possibly have this stream unless the community wants it, right? Because no one's got the time to come in every single day and do this unless there is a financial there's an economy to it and a financial support to it. So uh, to all those out there, if you want to see this continue, I have no shame saying there is a financial dependency between the viewers and the producers of this live stream. So support us at patreon.com backslash Safina Society. So we're putting this out there. It's for free to everyone to use and you want to support it, you support it with however much you want. So now let's go over this one, one point at a time. Okay. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. Many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. All right, let's stop right there. Right off the bat, the introduction of terms that are not universal nor accepted. That's the first thing there. And let me tell you, he goes along and he doesn't do a bad job, but he also, maybe he's not, I don't think he did a bad job in this, but, and I don't even know who he is, some senator. 
But the first thing that any mutakallim or any student of logic, oh, you introduced a term that I don't agree with, right? And that term will have lawazim in her mind. Lawazim are necessary repercussions in her eyes that I don't even believe in the term in the first place. Now she's going to argue about the repercussions. So that's the first, the first thing is you introduce a term that I'm not, not, I'm not agreeing with, right? Um, there are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy. So I don't believe in that, right? I, I don't have that category. Everyone to me is a man or a woman, right? So you're introducing a term. Why did Aristotle say he wins every debate? This is because I'm the one who defines all the terms, right? As well as non-binary people who are capable. What is a binary, non-binary person? I'm not accepting that. Everyone to me is not a binary. Okay? So that's the first rule of, um, we're using some of the basic rules of how to think so that when you hear this as a Muslim, you don't shake, get shaken up, right? Because they're like, like you, they get trapped you and stuff, right? No, no. That move, you're out of bounds. You just stepped out of bounds. How are you winning all the time? Because you get to step out of bounds and I don't, right? You get to go around the chairs and around the basket, right? And then you get to go out of bounds and I don't. So that's, so that's the first thing. Pregnancy. So this isn't really a women's rights issue. It's a, we should it's recognize a that this impacts women while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive, Senator Hawley. Oh, so your view is, is that the core of this, this right then is about what? So um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic. Okay. Now where does she shift? She now shifts to an attack. To be honest with you, she's in control of this dialogue, right? She, she brings in terms that she wants. She shifts the discussion, right? And now she's on the attack. She attacks him with what? Another term. These liberals, when they want to beat you in a debate, as uh, what's-his-face said, Jave Chappelle, when they want to beat you in a debate, he said it very right. Well, and guess what? Who else said it? Sayyidina Yusuf, right? These are just asma' sammaytumuha antum ma'anzalallahu biha min sultan. Right? Sayyidina Yusuf said, you all just worship, you make up words, and you worship these words. That's it. Dave Chappelle made the same observation. When they want to beat you in the debate, they just make up a word. You're transphobic. I don't recognize that either. Right? I don't recognize your term. Okay? He didn't call that out either. He didn't call the shift. So she made up one term first. She used, she, if you brought in a term... She, she shifted to an attack. She's a law professor, that's why. She's, she knows what she's doing. She shifted to an attack that puts him on the defense. You're transphobic, okay? And then she brings up another term, which is transphobia, okay? Now, let's see what else she says. By the way, give us... Uh, it's too cold now. Uh, your Patreon support is so good that I'm too cold now. I went from being too hot, now I'm too cold. 67 is good. Um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not... Ah, appeal to emotion. Fourth issue. It opens up people to violence. Oh, wow. So, you get in your head, trans people are getting hit with bats and stuff. You open up people to violence. Right? So, you're, not only are you transphobic, a term and an attack, you're now opening up people to violence. So, it's an appeal to emotion now. You're the violent one, Right? And we're the victims. That's called an appeal to emotion. Appeal to emotion is good when you're trying to do something. It's fine when you're... It's neutral in some cases. It's good in other cases. It's good if I'm doing an appeal to emotion about what's in Jahannam 
or what's in paradise so that you could do your duties. That's fine. That's a good appeal to emotion. There's a neutral appeal to emotion. How happy are you going to be if you drive around in this beautiful Jaguar? And I'm a Jaguar salesman, right? It's neutral. It's just using it to sell a car. It's halal to do. Here, when you use appeal to emotion to muddy up the truth, that's where it's out of bounds. Recognizing that. Wow, you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by... So, my, he answers it fine, but my problem is I would not even step into this arena. She invented her own arena of discourse in which your words open up to people to violence. I'm not even recognizing the existence of your arena. It's an invalid arena, but he goes into it, right? And it's easy to, 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 for us to stop and pause and re- see he's in the middle of it, right? So whether or not women are the old folks who can have pregnancies. So I'm one, I okay, what else is he doing here? So he actually makes a point. He says that, wait, I'm asking a question and you're saying that's violence. So what is fifth thing? Shut down discussion. The fifth thing that she's doing here, she sh- this is the anatomy of a football play, right? <laughs> you never see the anatomy of a play? The play, you watched it on TV, it was three seconds. Hike, the ball's out of his hands, the guy's tackled in three seconds, but then they go on ESPN and they bring Peyton Manning and he's going to divide up this and he's going to talk for 15 minutes about those three seconds. That's what we're doing here, but you all have to learn Okay, you got to see, and I do this so much, just like these football quarterbacks, when they see a play, they're like, wow, what a play. All I saw is a bunch of guys <laughs> moving across and the ball, I don't even know where the ball went because the camera's not always spanned, right, up. It's not always zoomed out. But the, quarter, but the analysts who know football, they're like, that was a work of art, right? And I have no clue what saying. But when we're cutting this up, you can see now all the things she's doing in this little clip as a law professor, that all of them are out of bounds. They're all against the rules of logic. She's applying her own metaphysical worldview that trans people exist. She's now making assumptions. Words are violence. Okay? And she's now also uh, basically making an accusation. Right? That's, she's going on the offensive and accusing him of this stuff and appealing to emotion that they're the victims and he's the aggressor. This is all stuff that you could see you know, in this little clip. But most people, I guarantee you, will see it, will get frustrated by it, and will feel handcuffed and upset, and then will just get frustrated. But you don't get frustrated when you see what she's doing, right? When you see the play. Like, if you ever got beaten by the same team over and over and over, and there's a set play that they keep doing, you get frustrated. Unless you sit back, let's rewind this play. What are they doing? This guy, he's going around. Right? He's going around another def- player. Therefore, his defenseman is missing him. His defenseman can't see him for a split second. because He can't see him for a split second. He loses him. That's why he's open. The other guy gets it, passes it to him, wide open. So you get frustrated, but unless you slow it down and pick, pick it apart, you can't argue against it. And note that one out of five transgender uh, Appeal to emotion. attempted suicide. Okay, attempted suicide. Snuck premise because of you. They've, what, maybe they've attempted suicide for 10 other reasons. Maybe, they, maybe they're attempted suicide because of an illness. Maybe that's also the reason they want to be transgender, right? So the snuck premise, that's number six. I mean, she's prolific, right? It's a snuck premise that all these people are committing suicide, attempted suicide because of conservative words, because of anti That's a snuck premise. 
So I think it's important because of my line of questioning. Because so we can't talk about it. Because setting down discussion. Trans people exist and pretending not to know that they exist. I'm denying dangerous. that trans people exist by asking Are you? you if you're talking Are you? about women. Are we. Yeah, I'm telling you, it, trans people. Okay, they their existence is one thing. For me to recognize that they deserve certain rights and that they're victims, and that I'm the cause, an anti-trans ideology is the cause. That's a whole other set of things. Okay. All right. Do you believe that uh, men can get pregnant? No, I don't think so. <laughs> so you are denying that trans people exist. So, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Now that's like a complete gaffe on her part. Like that's a complete gaffe on her part, right? Though men cannot get pregnant. What is the definition of a man? Him and her, they don't agree on the definitions. So this is not pointless, right? So, but it's a gaffe on her part to basically saying um, that uh, if you deny that men can get pregnant, then you deny that trans people exist. So, uh, because her definition of a man is not my definition of a man. And that's where this whole thing falls out, apart. And unfortunately, this is happening at like the highest level of society. This is a Senate hearing. Okay? And then it becomes a little TikTok thing. And by the way, yeah, <laughs> and by the way, piercings, half shaved head and half not, and colored hair and tattoos. We Muslims, we don't do any of these things because this has become like the symbol of these types of liberals, right? It's a symbol. You, when you see someone with purple hair, blue hair, piercings everywhere, half shaven, half shaven head and half long, some crystals and some paganism hanging from their necks, uh, and tattoos everywhere. Like, I mean, we know the rules on tattoos and piercings. And uh, tattoos, piercings, there's some there's room, wiggle room, right? Half the righteous Daisy world have no problem with piercings in the nose. Arabs may not have that. Africans may have many piercings in the ears, right? So piercings can be discussed. But in light of the existence of these folks, anything that looks like these folks would be, you know, either between makruh and haram because we have to separate ourselves from how they look, right? So uh, because they've taken, like, like purple hair is their thing now, right? And half shaven and half. So basically, if you look like the U.S., the captain of the U.S. soccer team, you got issues. All right. So that's basically uh, a little bit of a um, applied, an application of the the premise of what Ayyad Kalam is about is is using using the basic rules of intellect to show that our religion has no inconsistencies. It does not conflict with our intellect and that heresies are full of inconsistencies so you cannot show the see you feel very different about a clip like this after you've dissected what she's actually doing with her words okay all right let's stop here and go for question and answer everyone can now put their question and answer on instagram on facebook on youtube okay yes That's a very good question. A really good question. It seems like everybody does it. Like, even Jordan Peterson, he released the video. Yeah. Like, uh, sort of like, he's trying to appeal to Muslims and say, like, show us that, like, anybody that rejects perennialism or, yeah. like, that has, like, like... Yeah. Uh, why don't we dissect that tomorrow, next live stream? I didn't see it, but... Yeah. Um, if someone uses 
the appeal to emotion. Okay. How do you get around that? I actually wrote a paper for this, but I couldn't for, for the Islamic, uh, you know, I respect them because they know that this is a field that we have in Ashari Aqidah and they asked me to present it. And what's the group called? I can't remember. It, they're mainly like Hanabila, basically. It's a fatwa council. And they asked me, I couldn't present it because uh, COVID hit, but they, they present, someone presented it for me. And it's the idea that if someone uses emotion, you cannot respond with logic. Okay? You can only respond with another emotion. Right? You can only shift it to humor. Right? If you shift it to humor, you kill it. Right? So someone says, oh, you hit me. You hurt me. I would say, you're lucky that's all I did. Right? <laughs> I wanted to do a lot worse, but it's illegal. Right? So you could flip it, but you, you can only flip it to another emotion. Because now they've taken the, this, this discussion from logic, which is logos, to pathos. Emotion. From logic to emotion. You now have to play in the field of emotion. As Sheikh Nuh Keller used to always put it very simply, what is kalam? The guy's playing chess. You can't play checkers and beat him at chess. You can't play, beat someone at, who's playing chess by playing checkers. So whatever game your opponent is playing, you can only defeat them in that game. The scholars of hadith, they were against, the Hanabila were against Abu Hassan al-Ash'ari because they said, you're playing their game. He said, the only way to defeat them is at their game. As I gave the example, the Europeans don't come to us with guns and we come with spears and say the Sahaba had spears and swords and horses. He comes with a tank and a machine gun. You better have a tank and a machine gun or else you're not going to have a country, right? <laughs> so same thing. If he comes with you with pathos, with emotion, you come with emotion. If he comes with uh, a, uh, uh, an argument, you have to just come with an argument. You see? And the social media has made all of us have to be debaters. If not a debater, then at least I would want people to see what the guy's doing. Okay? And I say this because in the past, you didn't have to do this. Okay? In the past, a Muslim can live his entire life and never be debated in his deen. I can guarantee you most of our grandparents, no one ever tried to debate them in their deen. Right? So they have to do this. That's why this stuff is unnecessary for them. Okay? It's useless for them. The same way for us, well, I bet you some of your grandparents had to weigh grain to pay zakat on grain. Do you know how to weigh grain? I don't even know what a grain looks like. Well, I don't even know what it looks like. I think I know what a wheat stalk is because it's on the Wheaties box, right? But what is a wheat stalk like? What do you even do, right? Do we even know? Have no clue. But our grandparents, I guarantee you one of your grandparents, one of our grandparents had to study and learn how to pay zakat on grain. And what did they do? They put it into 10 baskets and one basket for zakat. How do you do this? What, what's the measurement? I, I can tell you the measurement. Like five awsuk. What is a wasak? I don't know what a wasak is. Right? It's like the, the limit of when do you have to pay zakat on grains. Like five awsuk. All I know is words. I don't know what a wasak looks like. Is it this much, this much? Who knows? Is a room full? So certain things in certain eras they don't need. Certain areas we do need them. Even Dr. Hatim al Hajj, all right? Dr. Hatim, mashallah, he is one of the, I would tell you honestly, he's one of the best scholars we have in the country. 
He told me with his own mouth, and I think he said it in the uh, podcast, we are in dire need for learning this argumentation. Not to argue, but to show Muslims how to come out of these traps that these people put us in. They try to put you in, and you just get frustrated, and you hate on them. Yeah. Well, we hate on them for fun anyway, but uh, at least we know the arguments. All right, let's go. Stark fire. Today we have to keep it on the topic of Abu Hassan al-Ash'ari, on the basic rules of logic, the purpose of, of kalam, and its application in this world. Um, what is asking people for madad? Madad does not, when you ask people for, we're not going to go too deep into anything outside the topic, but when you ask for madad, that the assumption there is not that the one you're asking is the creator of the madad. He may be the means of madad, Right? So, if I say madad ya Rasulullah, does that does that mean that I believe that the Prophet is the creator of madad? No. Does it mean it could mean that he's the creator of madad, or it could mean that he's the means by which I gain Allah's madad? Therefore, it's permissible to say that by language. And what's the proof of that? The Quran itself utilizes when 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 I call for something, it does not necessitate that. They, that that person is the source of the thing. He could be the means of the thing. The verses aren't at the top of my head right now. Uh, I'm going to get those verses to be able to repeat them later on. But there are clear verses in the Quran that indicate that when I ask for something or when I do something, okay, does not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say, say, Naisa is a creator? You create from mud. So is he really a creator? Or he's the means of the creation. Allah is the real creator, but he's the means. And Allah uses the word rizq. And he applies it to people. You give rizq to other people. Are you the creator of the rizq or the means of the rizq? So we, when we say madad, we are saying he is the means of madad, not he's the source of madad. Madad for anybody. I can get madad, I can get madad by going to my mom and making her laugh. If you go and do that, you're going to get madad from Allah. I can go to a book of, of scholarship and read and say, all right, madad ya Imam al-Ghazali. What does that mean? That this knowledge is a source of madad for me. Madad is anything good, anything sustenance that is spiritual in nature. Unseen sustenance, okay? Or physical sustenance. Does not mean I believe he's the source of madad, okay? It means he's the means of madad. And it means that my studying it or my being in his company or my thinking about him, reading his biography or whatever, okay, is a means of ata from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's all it means. And therefore, there's no uh, issue in saying it. What do I do to control anger? Istighfar. The Prophet gave that. Much istighfar. All right, how are we doing on uh, the Insta? Maturidis and Ash'aris, we covered that. Very subtle differences. Essentially no uh, major differences. Uh, go over the three main rules of mantiq. You're going to give our, be our questioner for today. Can you turn this young lady's mic on, please? This young lady, by the way, is a mahram. So just in case anyone thinks that you've got some funny business going on here. Make sure the mic is close to your mouth. So um, when think about mantiq, logic is the same word as speech 
So let's take it from speech. The moment someone utters a word in a dialogue with you, that word must have a definition. Okay? To defining a term. <coughs> define it. And the definition must be jama' mana. It must include everything that it is and exclude everything that it's not. Okay? Number two. The rest of your proposition cannot contradict that term or any term in the proposition. All right? That's what they call the law of non-contradiction. First is the law of identity, law of non-contradiction. Then, then the conclusion necessitates that the opposite of that thing is not true. So whatever truth we come up with, the opposite of that cannot be true. That's the law of the excluded middle. So if I say, be careful, this, tea, this cup, this tea is hot. Does that, that necessitates, this tea is not hot, uh, not cold. Right? It necessitates that the opposite is false. If I say, be careful, this, this tea is hot, you, any commonsensical understanding that it's not cold. If it's, she's pregnant, therefore who, her womb is not empty. Right? She's dead. She must not be alive. The op- if, if I affirm one truth, its opposite cannot be true. Which is what we say in our aqidah. If you affirm for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that, for example... All of his creation is with wisdom. Therefore, the proposition or any proposition that would indicate sefa, foolishness in the creation, is a false proposition. So don't ask if Allah can do it. Because the moment you said the word Allah, you precluded or assumed that all of his actions are wise. So don't ask me, can he do an unwise action? Because by saying the word Allah, you assume that all of his actions are wise. If you ask me, can he then do an unwise action? you're basically negating that, that the, the word that you uttered. You uttered it. You said the word Allah. Okay? So, the, in Islam, in the Sharia, by the Quran, by the Hadith, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all his actions are wise. He's Hakim. He creates nothing with no wisdom. Wisdom is a great purpose. So don't ask the question, can he do something unwise? Right? The same with that debate of, will Allah tell a lie? Same thing, no concept. The, because when you say Allah, it's truth, right? The, the word Allah means everything that he... So the proposition or the question, can he, that not be the case for Allah, is invalid. So be careful not say the word, don't say the phrase impossible for Allah, rather say the proposition is invalid. That's the more correct statement. Okay. Nowhere in the books of that shahada they say, Allahu la yaqdir. Never says that. La, la yastatiyah, la yumkinuhu. It's impossible. That what they say is mustahil ala Allah, which means this proposition is invalid when you say the word Allah, because by saying the word Allah you assume certain things. So therefore, you're asking if those assumptions can be undone. Okay. Next question. Do we choose a madhab of our country, or can we choose after interest? I believe you should study, study the imams, study the aqaid. We're here as activists of knowledge. That's what we are. Activists of knowledge. This is the real activism of knowledge. There's activism in advocating for the oppressed, for the poor. We try to do a little bit for the poor, right? We don't have much activism for the oppressed, right? Like, it's not something that we really have here. We should in the future, right? But we have activism for the poor, Every Wednesday, and hopefully next uh, week, it'll next year, 2023, it'll be Wednesday and maybe Saturday. Okay? 
But um, this is activism. It's spurring people to learn the qadaya, the issues, and to study them. And we have a ma'had here, alhamdulillah, now. Okay? A, 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 a school where people are really studying deep into the books. They go into the details, the mutawwalat. We want them to go, the details that we won't go here or in the masjid, we want them to go into those details. You never, you, you, when you read these books, subhanAllah al-Azim, deep into the tafsir of something, you come out with something that you never imagined before. Amazing. Sometimes people say, why do Muslims hate the West? Instead of saying, I don't hate the West, I reconfigure the argument and say, I hate injustice and I love justice. I don't go down there, trap any thoughts. This is from the woods. Where have you been yet from the woods? From the woods have been around for ages, but haven't seen them for like a couple months. What from the, (laughs) yeah, he's out in the woods. Uh, What from the woods just did is called the, the high ground maneuver. High ground maneuver is when they, pull you down into the nitty-gritty of specifics, you pull back up into generalities. Okay? It's called the high ground maneuver. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rewrite the thing in simple, simple, just simple principles because the one book that I have, there's, of course, Islamic books on how to debate, but I like the simpler ones. Okay? Uh, because... Uh, but the one that I have was written by a, a nasty atheist. So I want to just re- reconfigure some of the, He just put terms, that's all. Like, what is a high ground maneuver? That's a high ground maneuver, right? A high ground... By the way, husbands and wives, they should not do this stuff to, with each other. So Allah's haram. Huh? So no, it's really bad. Husbands and wives cannot do this, right? It's a, it's a good tool, but it's also like I mean, a, bad, a bad tool if you use it to go it, It's no different than a bat or a gun or a knife, right? Yeah, yeah. Good or bad. <laughs> Right, you do it with husband and wife. It's you're gonna have a terrible. Someone's gonna be upset, right? And yeah, how do you shut yourself off? Yeah, and um, uh, like certain things like gaslighting. Gaslighting is basically the idea of um, treating the reality differently, right? Like the wife says, "Could you not be sarcastic when you're talking to me?" And then of course you were sarcastic, right? But you say. Sarcasm, astaghfirullah, how could this ever happen? I was caring about you, right? And it's like complete BS, salesman, con man tactics, right? But that's how some people's marriages have to go. So gas, gas, this stuff is like, uh, it's bad if you use it in your marriages. Dr. Eddy says, Oh, they're discussing something. I don't know what that is. Jay Perez says, Dr. Hatim, you can feel his piety. Not only you can feel his piety, he knows the purpose of religion, which is drawing near to Allah Ta'ala. And he always goes back to that, right? And that's what I love about him is that you never lose purpose with the purp- uh, lose sight of the purpose of deen. To learn the truth, to act upon it, to spread it to other people. If we lose sight of that, uh, we'll, we'll, are we taking calls we're, we're not going to take we take calls when Ryan comes back, inshallah, because he remembers how to do that. Okay. Um, Ugo Panda is telling us about how the Chinese Muslims had to deal with Confucianism. Very important, right? And we could learn a lot from what those scholars did.
The idea of a square, can Allah create a square with five sides? The proposition is false. Because by when uttering square, by the, when you said the word square, you precluded or excluded the possibility of being anything other than four sides. Now you're asking it to be five sides. So you're negating yourself. The prop, put an X on the whole proposition. Huh? It can't be anything else. So why are you asking me if the square can be something else, right? Is there a class on ArcView on this topic? No, not really, to be honest with you. We should probably put one in. When you go into Mantiq, there's a lot of lesser things in Mantiq. But it's not important. We need to drill in the three main things. Because a regular viewer like this ain't got time to, for, for big lessons. Just the fundamentals. And if I t- I'm telling you, if you get these fundamentals right, you can cut, up, you can cut out 90% of the garbage that people are putting at you. Right? Under, the, under base beats, anything you could recommend to attain clarity of intellect, thought, and speech. The books of Kalam as much as you can. The lectures of Hamza Karamali on the existence of God are very good. Okay. Any questions on the Instagram, young lady? No. Or make sure, or make sure you scroll up, but not too hard, because it will go out of the app. Uh, Jay Perez, can you talk to other contemporary Hanabila? Yes, I will, inshallah, no problem with that. Um, the Hanabila, when they get into debating atheists, we live with them. All of social media is a debate world. Okay, You will be uh, exposed to these things. They all have to reach in, and we are opening our toolbox. Ahlan wa sahlan, use it. And call it Hanabila, I don't care. We're, we don't care who cares about the name, Ash'ari, Hanbali. It's the tools that matter. It's the madmoon that matters, right? And they do. And they use them with the atheists. But they may not use them uh, like within their own circles. We, we don't have any courses on mantiq, but we will, inshallah. It is in the plan to provide one. You have a question? Speaketh. Okay. Um, As-salamu dif- What are the differences between the... M- Maturidis and the Ashuris. We talked about that a while ago, the difference between Maturidis and Ashuris. We discussed that. <laughs> the Zag. Do we say Allah created the laws of logic? Of course. Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He creates, He creates with wisdom. The opposite of wisdom is Safa, foolishness. Things that they don't, uh, uh, they contradict one another is foolishness. Right? So, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, أَفَلَا تَعْقِلُونَ What is al-aqr? Okay. And when Allah says, uh, the word mubin, clear. And when He says in the Quran, غَيْرَ ذِي No crookedness. What does it mean? And when He says, لَوَجَتُ فِي اخْتِلَافًا كَثِيرًا Words from other than Allah would have much contradiction. The nature of creation itself, okay, that it must be of wisdom. And the opposite of wisdom is that it contradicts in itself. Okay? So, Saeed Nursi was very good at this. Saeed Nursi, it is tucked into his works is a lot of these 
wisdoms. Do you have something to say, Ahmed? Speaketh. Um, I wanted to ask, like, on behalf of uh, the audience, like, uh, so say, like, you're studying Kadem or yeah. studying, like, how do you know that doubts are coming from, like, sort of... Closer like, to the mic. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So how do you know if... Uh, how do you know if doubts are coming from like sort of an intellectual perspective or like an intellectual source, like a lack of uh, kadam and studying, or doubts are coming from like a lack of spirituality? Or That's a great question. How do I know if a doubt, a wiswas, is coming from a lack of not from ignorance or from lack of piety? L- lack of piety. The the two are the the the, the two are aligned. Okay, the two are aligned. That. It's the darkness of the heart will attract false ideas. And light inside the heart will repel false ideas. Like you won't like it. You might not know the answer to it, but you just don't. How many parents, grandparents, there's a lot of light in their hearts, but they're not learned. So when falsehood comes in, what do they do? They just don't like it. Get this out of my house. Oh, but you didn't answer the question. I don't care about the answer. Get it out of my house. Because he can't answer the question. Ghazali talks about this. How many people have so much nur in their hearts? That's why we said, you are pious in yourself, but you can't lead us. You're going to lead us into an abyss as a leader, and you're going to get sins for that. You must answer these questions. Okay? Yes, we hate the Mongols. I don't care if you hate them. They're killing us. Go, to, go kill them. Right? That's what I care about. Mongols are coming to kill us all, and you're sitting there hating on them. I don't care about hitting on them. Go kill them, right? So there has to be a response. The answer to the question is, you take it to the scholars. If it is a, a question of a principle, an abstract principle, then that can be answered. If it's related to your own state, then it's your iman, okay? Like what? There's a question of all these logical questions that we're bringing up. They can be answered by scholars because they're abstract. But a, a wiswas like... Is Allah accepting my prayer? Is he going to forgive me? That's related to you. That is be solved by your iman. Right? That's the difference. And also... Speakers. Uh, one more question. Mm-hmm. So, so, like you mentioned uh, earlier, about Abu al-Hasna al-Ash'ari, he like sort of... So like his path to Wadaya was like Ayn and like sort of Kadam. Defending, defending the faith, the, yes. The, so then, would it mean that every society and every age, like, there's a different path to Wilaya? 100%. Every society in a different age, there's a general path to Wilaya and there are special paths to Wilaya. What, is, what are we specific? The general path of Wilaya is Ibadah. Take knowledge, act upon it, and the best you can. That's how simple it is. And do a lot of remembrance of Allah. But people will surpass other people by serving the vulnerability of the Ummah that exists at the community at that time by filling that gap that's how they will succeed right and that's what the, the word relevance is important okay so we can sit here and, and recite read uh, chapters on inheritance is that not the path of Allah of course it is right do we have a crisis of inheritance right now maybe maybe not I don't think that it's a taught issue it may be someday but what do we have a crisis of doubts in the hearts of Muslims? More or inheritance crisis more? I would say doubts in the hearts of Muslims because of little TikTok video like that will, could put a lot of, it could sway a lot of minds. It could cement people in a view, right? So the intelligent one sees where is there a problem? Let me go there and wade into that battle 
because there's more value in that, right? So that's where you, as they say, they say that in ibadah, everyone has, is, is sort of can do the same ibadah. But what service can you do for the community that, that uh, horizontal, ibadah is vertical between you and Allah, but horizontal, okay? That's the difference. So where, what you could do that I can't do, what you could do that I can't do. That's how you're going to succeed, excel past me. That's how I'm going to excel past you, etc. And to the point that where you're doing something, I couldn't do it. Okay, I'm trying to do something, you couldn't do it. So on and so forth. So that's where uh, the value of uh, uh, of each Muslim is. Speak. What happened? Why did it shut? Like I wasn't holding it for a long time. All right, next question comes. There's a lot of questions here. What is the word abdal and aqtab? The abdal and aqtab are uh, awliya. They're the awliya. They're the Muslims. They're the mu'mineen that are like the pillars of the, of the community. Not just outwardly, but in iman. Okay, they're the ones upkeeping the community. Nimra says, how do we convey the idea of displeasure of Allah to a little child? Okay. Okay. Ooh, someone just put up a. You put that up? It must be the. It must be us. Just put up a. Uh, a little, like a, uh, in YouTube. A poll. A, poll. a survey. Oh, Do people find more that they have spiritual crisis or intellectual crisis? Oh, nice. Good question. So, how do you convey that Allah will be the, the? What you convey, Allah has created a punishment next to every bad action with every bad action there's a punishment next to me next to okay with next to that action connected to that action just like with every touch of the stove there's fire there's a pain right and also allah has ridha allah ta'ala can is displeased with certain things even if there was no punishment forget that yes we need the punishments to help us move but Allah Ta'ala is not, his, his displeasure is the absence of his happiness, pleasure with us. Right? It's the absence of his pleasure with us. We don't say that he will feel hurt or upset. We will say, uh, it's the end. Huh? It's the end of the, it's the end of the emotion. It's not the emotion itself. Yeah. But it's the end of the emotion. It's the end of the emotion. But, and so, but how do you say that to, to a child? Right? Allah doesn't love this. Does not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says La yuhib al-kafirin La yuhib So we say Allah doesn't love this And the, the absence of Allah's love is, is punishment Right Is a wrath There are plenty of TED talks And YouTube videos to watch On some of the best debates Okay Okay how can we convince literalists of the importance of kalam? Because they won't waver from the argument. It's not from the companions. Okay, is getting cut up by atheists from the companions? Is getting absolutely smashed and your next generation of youth having doubts about Islam? Is that from the companions? So you guys go do your own thing. I stop talking to them and try to convince them. You want to be hard-headed? 
be hard-headed all you want, go about life. When your kids come bringing these questions, then you come running to me. That's what's going to happen. Talk to people at the level that they understand, right? They want the Sahaba and the Prophet to level out every single specific. Did not they give general rules? If it was from other than Allah, they would have found much contradiction in it. Therefore, part of religion is showing there's no contradiction in religion. Right? Do you not use your intellect? Therefore, there is a way to use intellect. If Allah says, do you not use it? There must be a correct way to use it, a false way to use it. Right? So therefore, seeking the correct way to use intellect is from ibadah. It's from the religion. Because Allah says, do you not think? Therefore, there is a correct way of thinking. There's a wrong way of thinking. If I say, listen, every... Every runner I ever saw is skinny. Therefore, runners are skinny. That's causation and correlation. Because a runner, he may have been a runner five years ago, he wasn't skinny, right? So it's not the fact that his identity of a runner does not make him skinny. It's the running that makes him skinny, right? So there's causation, correlation. That's a false use of intellect. If every single harsh person that you met was Palestinian, that doesn't mean that Palestinians are by definition harsh. That's just your experience. Stop going to Patterson so much. <laughs> right? Go somewhere else, right? All right. I didn't see Jordan's Jordan Peters' messages to the Muslims, but we have to discuss it then. We gotta learn, Habib, how to pause a video in the middle of playing it. Yeah, I think you can do it anyway. There's a little of that play button at the bottom. I'm sure you can hit pause. Yeah. yeah. yeah it always, like, the mm. Maham says, you mentioned you had to relearn how to start reading more intently. What steps did you take? The step I took was shutting, like Salah. When you make Salah, it is haram to eat and drink. Right? And speak. I had to recreate a something like that, basically, by when I sit down and read intently that I made it a rule that it's not allowed to have any device in the room. And on the table, no other item on the table. And that your butt cannot get off that chair until you finish this chapter. So just like we have rules of Salah, so I made those rules. So the kitchen table has to be completely empty. There's the book, there's a pad, and there's a pencil. Okay? and there's nothing else on the table, and there's no phones in the room. They're all off. Because if you have a phone in the corner, it's like a mouse in the corner. You can't stop looking at it, right? And so it has to be like in the glove compartment of the car. That's how bad. I have no discipline, right? But if I can do it, everyone can do it. That's the proof, right? I have no discipline. But the fact that I can, I've done it and I did it, that means anyone else can do it. I'm like the hujja because I'm so easily distracted. But if I can do it, just because I started off like that doesn't mean I accept it from myself. Like, I hate this concept of being so dependent upon something, or so distracted. So the first step was getting the flip phone. Second step is there's these rules. And when discipline is making a rule and following it for yourself. So shut it off, lock it up. I even have a big box with a lock. Put the devices in it. To feel that, you feel that peace, right? All the devices in the entire house are locked up in this box. It's like we just put the genie back in the lamp, right? <laughs> so I sit there knowing that no one on the house is on a device. And you could just talk now, 
right? Even the remote control of the TV. What's that? Same. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's got to be off. It's got to be off, yeah. I found, like, leaving it in the car. And then just go uh, go inside, go home, and then just go to sleep. Yeah, that's how it is. Leave it in the car. If you leave your phone somewhere and, like, you forget where it is. Yeah. That's true. That yeah. Yeah. And then when you turn your phone on, you realize nothing happened. Yeah. Like the world didn't change, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. One text from your mom is like, "Hey, get milk." Yeah. Sabil Ahmed, how should a common Muslim answer "Where is Allah" in English? The question is problematic. There's a snuck premise there. The quest, the premise is that Allah has a location. What's the definition of a location? It's a physical place, right? Only physical beings can be in physical places. Allah has no location. Question is wrong. Okay, Allah has no location. But He has His knowledge. He's with us with His knowledge, right? He's with us with His knowledge. Okay. Muhammad Azhar, why is it so hard to unlearn conditioning? Subhanallah, it's very true. Okay. Yeah. Like bring up debate topics mm-hmm. and like have like like pick a student to like how you debunk this. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I think we're still too early. We still need to learn the concepts. Oh yeah, we have to later on. That'll be fun. Are laymen allowed to enter into these discourses? Qamar, Jazakallah khairan. Um, laymen should be educated by ulama ahli sunnah step by step before they go into battle. In the same way that you cannot go into a UFC ring unless you're trained. It's illegal. You can get yourself killed. Likewise, you can get your mind broken and your, your iman messed up. If you go into the ring with atheists and with these ideologues, without training. But you should seek training. Because if we were in the world of the Mongols and the Crusaders, was not every child had to learn sword fighting, horse, horseback riding, using a bow and arrow. That wasn't the case in like Basra of the second century. I'm sure Abu Hassan al-Ash'ari did not have to learn how to kill somebody, right? It wasn't a need. But out in Turkey, in Anatolia, the lands of Ertuğrul, the Mongols on the east, crusaders from the west, you better learn how to fight or you're going to be killed, right? So you have to learn what you need. And what we need Right now, we're all going to be exposed to this stuff. So we have to learn it. But do not go do it yourself. Go learn from somebody. Okay? And there are videos out there. There are Asha'ira and Maturidiya everywhere. MashaAllah, they're growing. And, there's, and, and it should be for the purpose of it, not for the label. And it should not be for the getting into the weeds of uselessness. It should be what is functional. Just like I showed you that trans thing and showed you where the errors are. It's simple. It's functional, right? It's practical. Khadija Asif says, a couple years ago, I wanted to follow the Hanabila, so I found your podcast with Sheikh Hatim. However, I ended up, I found the Asha'ira unexpectedly. And I hope that it benefited. Because I personally love seeing the dissection of this falsehood. It settles my heart to know that it's dissected and it's thrown in the garbage. Sheikh, could we get some new dua motivation? All right, let me tell you something. Listen to this. I will give you something right now. By the way, young lady, do we have any uh, 
Anything on the Insta? Hmm? What do you mean no? No comments? Hold on, let me give this hadith. Listen to this beautiful hadith. First, he sit up when you recite the hadith of the Messenger. Okay. Ammar ruku'ah. Qala Sayyid al Kaunain, alayhi salatu wa salam. Ammar ruku'ah. Fa'adhimu fihir rab. In ruku'ah, aggrandize the Lord with tasbih. وَأَمَّا السُّجُودِ And as for sujood, فَادْعُوا فِيهِ بِمَا شِئْتُمْ Make dua in it with whatever you want. There is no limit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. With whatever you want. فَقَمِنٌ قَمِنٌ What does that mean? أَيْ حَقِيقٌ أَنْ يُسْتَجَابُ لَكُمْ it is true that you will definitely be answered. That is dua in sujood, subhanAllah, from Sahih Muslim. Let me read it again, this, this beautiful. It just gives you so much hope in Allah because the Prophet himself said, bima shi'tum, with whatever you want. Don't put your own limits. Don't make dua on your own limits. And your own imagination that something's not possible. Okay? All the greats of dunya and, and deen, their greatness is that they did not take action or attach themselves to their own limits. We have limits. We're so limited. But I'm asking you, you're king of kings. You have no limits. You can do it. How? I have no clue. Right? I don't even know how I do stuff. Right? I only know after it's done. So we definitely don't know the power of Allah. But I'm going to ask this. And therefore, everyone has a frustration because they want something they can't have. And sometimes it's legitimate. Sometimes it's not illegitimate. And sometimes it's neutral. Cannot be frustrated, because oh, I don't have a Ferrari. That's neutral, we would say. It's dunya, waste of time. Frustrated because I can't, for example, um, get a tattoo. Illegitimate. Go get a fake tattoo. Get it, put it on your chest, no one can see it, right? Get it out of your system. Get a henna tattoo. But that's illegitimate. Frustrated because I can't drink with my friends. Illegitimate frustration. Frustrated because I can't get married. Legitimate frustration. Bring that to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Maybe your sins and your frustration and your issues are all based upon this, this gaping hole in your life. That's legitimate. So take it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. أَمَّا الرُّكُوعَ فَعَضِّمُوا فِيهِ الرَّبِّ وَأَمَّا السُّجُودِ فَادْعُوا فِيهِ بِمَا شِئْتُمْ فَقَمِنٌ أَيْ حَقِيقٌ أَنْ يُسْتَجَابُ لَكُمْ you will definitely get an answer. SubhanAllah. Amazing hadith. Why do scholars say read Surah Yasin morning and evening? There is a hadith. It is probably a weak hadith. But we can act upon it that it makes life easy. Makes the day easy, sorry. Makes your day easy if you read it in the morning. Makes your night easy if you read it in the evening. Uh, any questions? Are you, make sure you scroll, young lady. Mm. I have a great assistant. Ibn al-Qayyim, what are your thoughts regarding for and against the ongoing hellfire? I never got into that question. 
Never, I've never got into that question, to be quite honest with you. Can we ask Allah to give us miracles? We can ask Allah, show us your generosity. Be generous to me. But don't say be generous to me and you're not being generous to, to, to Allah. How do I be generous to Allah? Give to the poor. Give people your time. Give people your, your good mood. That's your generosity. To his creation, he will be generous to you. Speak into the mic. If, uh, if a person who has haram income calls upon Allah is absolute desperation, will Allah answer it? Yes. Jay Perez says, we disagree with literalists, but it's a label being thrown around in excess nowadays. So let's say, let's tell, tell, tell what we're disagreeing with. We never attack an individual. There's no point. Unless he's on total bid'ah and kufr, then it's obligatory to name this person and say, this person, stay away from this person. But the concept of refusing to answer a question because the terminology was not used by the salaf is an absurd concept. It's an absurd concept. Okay? Because the Qur'an and the sources, they have general principles that we apply to specifics. Okay? And the harm, the harm of not answering that question is visible in front of you. Right? I'm telling you, there was a, a guy who told me that his, he had friends that were, uh, many friends that he had in Saudi schools. They went to school in Saudi, Palestinians. And they all came back to America because they can't go to college in Saudi, but they grew up all their life in Saudi. He said, the bulk of them are out of Islam now. Why? Because the professors, the teachers of the Islamic studies, they, they refuse to answer most of the questions. This is just from Iblis, from Iblis, from Iblis, from Iblis. Okay, from Iblis. And we have Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You tell me if the, the Prophet's religion cannot respond to Iblis? Cannot show us the, the, the invalidity of his question? Yes, it's from Iblis. But give us an answer, right? Respond, defeat Iblis. So that's what we're, our point is here. Yes? Question, go. Share the narration. Yeah, I'll, I'll email you the narration of that hadith and you put it up, inshallah. I'm going to just send it to your what's. Or I'll just email it to you. Uh, in Arabic, it's just called what's. Not WhatsApp, just what's. Mada. Huh? Mada, just mada. Huh? Just mada. Yeah, mada. The what's. The what's and the insta. Alright, next question. We're like, behind, we're like behind on the questions here. All right. Next question. What, what do you have, Rihanna? Asif, but advice for protecting ourselves from the perennialists. Just hang out with Safina Society people. We smashed that stuff years ago. It doesn't even exist. The, the general idea exists, but the actual perennialist philosophical group, they've been, they don't exist anymore. Like they exist, but they're irrelevant. Yeah, the general belief exists. Okay. The general beliefs that all religions are good that exists. Okay. Oh, so like the group itself, that's but the but the philosophical perennialist group, yeah. they're irrelevant. Okay. They have they've they they've had splintered, yeah. and all that stuff happens yeah. to them. But the um, the general idea of all religions are good, all religions are equal, yeah. that itself is an impossibility because the religions say opposite things. So how are they all acceptable? That means two... Op- 
is Jesus God, or is he, or is he a prophet, or is he, as the Jews say, a rebel, a heretic? It's got to be one, right? Is he God or not God? Is he prophet or not prophet? Is he a rebel? That's so. Just the issue of Jesus, how they said him. So how can you say they're all acceptable when they're saying opposite things? Hmm? Yeah. Yeah, put it up. And wait, so how do you respond to like perennials that make you seem out to be a bigot? So for me, because like appeal, that's like appeal to an emotion again, yeah, appeal, yeah, right? So then what would you say? Like, in, in, right, say something to me. Okay. Like, you believe that I'm going to help? Uh, you could, right? Very much, you could, maybe. Right. Why? Why? If I believe you're going to hell, is that my worse of a person? You could. I can go to hell too, right? Yeah. So then, like, true and false is not about feelings. Yeah. True and false is about revelation from God. We either accepting it or rejecting okay. it, right? And understanding it properly. Okay, but are you saying that like Osama bin Laden gets to go to heaven, but I, I can't? He could, yeah. <laughs> he could, and he'll be taking all your hudalain too. It's possible. Allah, I don't know how he died, on what deen, on what tawheed, on what he. I don't know. He could be. There's possibilities. But you're going to bring me something ridiculous. I'm going to bring you something ridiculous back, like him taking all your hudalain, right? Or I'll take your hudalain if I make it. <laughs> because you know everyone's created with a Jannah yeah. and a hell yeah. so if you didn't make it to your Jannah we take your spoils of war right everyone has their place in Jannah and their place in the hellfire if you did not make it to your place in Jannah all that is open spoils of war we're taking it okay <laughs> so wait, what about the spoil like what's the what about the place in the hellfire like does it go to someone else that like you might get it too. <laughs> That's what I would say to these guys. Wait, wait. I was actually asking a question. Yes, it's true. You get double the adab, right? You're going to take my adab because you're bothering me. <laughs> and you're bothering all the Muslims. <laughs> so you get their adab. Uh, Angel, the, the Zabania may say, okay, this adab was listed for, all right, Habib Sayed, uh, where is he? No, he's in heaven. All right, this is listed for, uh, what's that guy's name? That Dawkins. Dawkins? All right, let's just, let's, uh, Habib Sayyid's Adab, let's give it to Dawkins. Uh, Dawkins, come here. Let's smash your forehead. Okay? Uh, let that British accent benefit you now. Queen's English. Let it benefit you now while we're smashing your forehead. Okay, you don't like Jahannam? Do they believe in it? They shouldn't be offended by this. This joke shouldn't offend them. He doesn't believe in Jahannam in the first place. If you believe in it, how about avoiding it, right? Raj, from Connecticut. Remember who we visited? Dua in sujood, in Arabic versus the own language. In the Maliki Madhab, you can say dua in sujood, in your own language, if you cannot speak Arabic. Or express, you can, maybe you speak Arabic, you can't express yourself. Then you could put it, and sometimes you can express some things and you can't express other things, right? Then in that case, you can, you can, uh, you know what? Lower, lower my video and put the hadith on top. How's that? Right? Put the hadith on top and lower our video. So uh, sometimes you can't express. Yeah, keep going down. Good. You can't express sometimes yourself in Arabic. You can say tasbih. You can say other things, but you can't express yourself in Arabic. You're allowed to express yourself in your other language. So what about, like, what if you feel like you don't know what to say, but you feel like you're, you're in need? Like, you ask Allah to inspire me with the words. 
Inspire me with the words. Can I have feelings, but I don't know what to say. Inspire me with the words that I should say. Can can someone do like an internal dua? Like, is that acceptable? Yeah, but with what? Just a feeling? No, like, like say like you have a dialogue within your, in yeah. your mind. And like you're saying like, Ya Allah, like you're making dua with You me. can say it. Yeah. You can say it. Asking louder. Someone's asking, do you recommend watching Muhammad Hijab, Hijab's debates? His debates with Christians? I never watched them, but I think... I heard they're very successful. Uh, yeah, yeah. You watched them? Yeah, I watched them. Yeah. I heard he did a good job in Baltimore, that's what, from what I've heard. Yeah, he, he's done a good job in a lot of things. Okay. I think some people just don't like him because he, he says everything straight up. Like, he doesn't sugarcoat it. I personally like him. Yeah, I, I like him, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what he's... A, is he Ibn Taymiyyah? Is he... I don't know that, and I don't care, right? But uh, if he's... I don't know about his... Like, where he stands on those things, mm-hmm. right? But as a general person, okay, I like him. And I like his theatrics too. Taking his shirt off, throwing it at the Chinese embassy. It's great theater, right? And you think like we don't need as many supporters as we can get and fighters out there. And he's a huge, he's done so much. And he himself says, I'm just an activist. Like he um, himself lowers from his own self and his own contribution to the ummah. And that's a sign of a sincere person, in my opinion. Um, I don't know what his aqidah is again. So that part of it, because he doesn't, I don't think he teaches aqidah online. Right? So I don't know about that. But his activism and his debates are, I think they're good. Um, someone is asking, modern Ash'aris, early Ash'aris, I don't know, what does modern mean? What does early Ash'aris mean? I don't know about that. The, but the Ash'aris today are Saeed Fuda. You want to get his videos, you go to Muhammad ibn, what? Mustafa. Muhammad Omar Mustafa's YouTube channel has a whole bunch of Saeed Fuda videos with subtitles. Next question. Louder in the mic. Okay. What, what is the reference of the narration in English in Sahih Muslim? The reference? Yeah. It's from Sahih Muslim. You want the number or something? That I don't have for you. Right? I don't have the number. The hadith number. Because all the books number it differently anyway. Okay. What's the difference between a dua that's accepted, answered, and what Allah will, will give it to you and will not give you what you asked? The Prophet ﷺ answered that question. And he said, Allah will answer you until you rush. What is rushing, O Messenger of Allah? Is to stop making dua and say, I asked but Allah didn't answer. So you will get your answer of your dua. Allah will satisfy your heart. And you will be happy with the result. Until or unless you quit and say, I'm not, uh, I, I tried and Allah didn't answer me. If you reach, as long as you never give up on it. And not giving up is such a quality that is so important. And some youth, they have a nafs. Right? And their nafs keeps falling into temptations. And they ask, why is this happening? Because, okay, they, because Allah is teaching you how to not give up with your own nafs. Your own little snake inside of you or your own dog inside of you, don't give up. You go on with life year one, next year, two years, five years, ten years, I've been fighting my nafs. Allah is teaching you not to give up. And if you can do that and win that battle and see that one day your nafs will calm and stop and that dog will just 
keel. What's the word for dogs? Is it heel or keel? Heel. And he heals. And you're like, wow, that took me 15 years. Then anything that takes you five years is easy, right? After that. Because you, you fought yourself for 15 years. Next question. Why do we have to make du'a? Why doesn't Allah just give anyway? Why do we have to make du'a? Why doesn't Allah give anyway? Same reason, why do you have to eat? Okay? Because there's a value in the journey. That's why. Who asked, asked that question? Tell me the name. Uh, I, I, uh, I the Levantine. Because there's value in the journey. There's iman growth in the journey. Why doesn't Allah calm my nafs in the first place? Because Allah wants you to learn certain things on the way to that. So there's value in the journey. There's growth of iman in the journey. David was a fool. David who? David Wood. Is Ibn Qudama a Hanbali? Yes, he's a pure Hanbali. David Wood, I'll tell you why he's a fool. He said, he put out a video, a challenge to all Muslims, show me the explicit verse in which Allah says that the Bible has been altered. There's so many verses in which Allah accused him. <laughs> but he said, no, it has to say the Injil has been altered. Wait a second, Allah does not have to use the words that you chose. That's number one. Number one. There are many verses, I can give you all the verses. There are many hadiths that in general show that the previous texts have all been altered. But let me give you something else. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or just as epistemology, you do not need to say get something from transmission that is an observable reality. The Quran is transmission. It does not need to tell you observable reality. If you're asking me, that where's the proof that the Quran has been, uh, that the Injil is altered, the Bible's altered? I ask you, show me the Injil in the first place. You don't have it. The original Bible, at, where is it? The Bible, the, this Bible that you all have is just Sira books. No offense to the Catholic people, because I have a lot of Catholic associates that we get along well with. I like them as persons, as an individual. Of course, they're, 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 the religious differences are known. But for these Protestants who are like rabid dogs and the Wahhabis of Christianity, okay, these evangelicals, not all of them again, because some people maybe have evangelical parents and they don't want to get upset, fine. Um, show me the actual Injil that Prophet Jesus recited with his own mouth. Okay? You don't have it. You have translations of the Sirah, the Sirah, the book of like, what is it, Mark, Paul, Luke. You don't even have the original. Forget alteration. You lost the whole thing. It's so illogical. And then on top of that... They acknowledge it too. And, and they acknowledge it. It's like divinely inspired by so-and-so. And then like yeah, exactly. I, uh, that's what I studied at, uh, at uh, Georgetown and Rutgers. SubhanAllah. Hilarious. There's a new, we have a new emoji that Alex made, the gender bell. Remember the gender bell? We used to ring that bell every time someone brings up gender. <laughs> There's a gen, it's on the YouTube uh, chat there. All right, next question. Prophet Muhammad, but not in sujood, correct? 
Repeat. Doat. Doat Etiquette recommends to send salawat on Prophet Muhammad but not in sujood. I don't understand. Let me see. It's saying dua in who? I have no clue. How What's to that say word? Dua etiquette. <laughs> <laughs> etiquette. Dua etiquette by uh, Al Yamam, I guess that is. To send salah on the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You can make salah on the Prophet in sujood because it's dua. Allahumma salli wa sallam barak ala Sayyid al Kawni. Wait, and actually, a question. I actually have a question. Did yeah. Maliki have like anything written on like when you shouldn't say salawat upon the Prophet Because when should you not say salah on the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam? Yeah. Should not say salah on the Messenger. You should not mention the Prophet in front of someone who is so angry he may say something against the Prophet. It's haram. It's haram to bring up Deen in front of someone who's so angry that he may say something inappropriate. Okay. It's haram to make salah on the Prophet makruh. In any manner or way that is um, inappropriate or in a place that is filthy, things like that. Yeah. Th- those types of things. I know that the Ahnaf, they actually have rules on this. Like yeah. uh, Imam Zain al Abidin, like he listed out like certain situations that you shouldn't be saying salawat. Like um, like when you're scared, you shouldn't be saying salawat. Like all of a sudden. Like, really? Yeah. What's the reason for that? I'm not sure what's his deen uh, on that, but I know there's other things too. Like you shouldn't say it out loud in the second khutbah. It's specifically to the Ahnaf. I'm not sure if it's... Uh, yeah, we don't have any of that stuff. We don't have that. I, it, it, when you're scared not to make Salah on the Prophet? Like, someone like jump scares you all of a sudden. And you what is he going to say? What else would you say? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Uh, I don't understand that. I don't, maybe he has a logic, but I don't understand that. Uh, Caitlin, I made a Sakhara. I didn't get an answer yet. What's the point? At what point am I wasting my time? I ask you, Caitlin, how bad do you want it? If you really want what you're asking for, you're willing to wait. Simple answer, right? Commercial <laughs> Huh? Yeah. Yeah. How bad do you want it? If you want it bad enough, you'll wait for it. That's the rule. You'll wait a thousand years for it. Okay, there you go. Next question. Can you give me the charger, Rick? Dua request from Murabit Haddamin, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give him Jannat al Firdaus. I mean, dua for these people, it's almost like an honor for us to be making dua for them. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give him Jannat al Firdaus. He was the inheritor of Murabit al Hajj's teaching position. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give him Jannat al Firdaus without any hisab. And may Allah ta'ala give him like an inheritor. Like he has many sons and they're his inheritors of the teaching positions. Okay. Can you recite salawat while watching TV? You can make light dhikr while doing other things. That's the position. Generally, you can make light dhikr while doing other things, but it may not be as effective. 69 degrees. You're freezing. Can we do 71? Hmm? What's that? 71? No, 69. Uh, 70s ago. Next question? Huh? Oh, swimming. Oppa, oh my goodness. We gotta go. Swimming class. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruk wa natubu ilayk. Wal asr. Inna al-insana lafi khusr. Illa al-ladhina amanu aminu al-salihat. Wa tawasaw bil-haq. Wa tawasaw bil-sabr. Wassalamu alaykum. Wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Run.
What? My goodness, what did you do? 